you know, I, I got to be honest. I, I love puppies and they're cute and you you can be there at the beginning of their life. But I have really rolled into I'm going to adopt only senior dogs from now on. Senior dogs, all they do is they come up like, give me a little bit of love and then I'm going to go sleep for the next 18 hours. <laughs> Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast. We are recording this on the 24th of August in the year 2023. I am your host with the most, Danny Paul. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. And I will be rocking the ones and twos today. Joining me in the Bob Studios is a full hostful today. We have ourselves wow. the Baron of Bourbon, the Kaiser of Cali, the Liege Lord of Loathe, the golfer down under. They uncovered you, ladies and gentlemen. G'day, Danny. Danny. How you doing, Leon? You getting set up for your Australia golf trip, you fucker? I am. I am. I'm, I'm getting psyched, man. But yeah. I am going to try to take on a kangaroo oh. if one comes up to me. And I'm, I'm going to videotape it for, you know for all the bobs. I'd love to unpack that with you later. <laughs> also in the Bob Media Studios is the Pharaoh of Finance, the Bay of the Bay, the Sultan of Soccer himself. Mr. Jumps is in the house. How you doing, Jay? Nice to see hey. you brought the prince to the pod. You know, I brought him in real quick right before he was going for his next late night feeding, I guess you call it. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, it's nice to see the uh, quorum is full rounded. We and do have a, a quorum. Special. We do because the maestro de Mexico, the Duke of the Desert, the crown prince of the purple, the midge joins us tonight. Hey, where are the white women at? Welcome, boys. How you doing, Mitch? I'm Danny. Happy to be here. <laughs> Got an update from last episode. The mullet competition that we talked about. Mm -hmm. The kid with the with the solid old school Oakleys took third place. And I think we, we also like it. this this kid here, the number one kid. I think we picked him too. Yeah, we, we like him. Mean, he's a cute kid, but I mean, his mullets, eh, it's all right. I don't remember number two, though. Was number two in the selection that we looked at last week? I don't remember him. Because number one and number like three, I, I remember we him. talked about. We, we had number one and number three in our, like, top five. Yeah, but I had number three at the top. That guy's epic. It's all yeah, attitude. That's, that's Everything about a mullet is <laughs> attitude. Little Kenny Powers. <laughs> yeah. Nobody messes, garden, with, dig it. nobody messes with that kid in target you just steer clear of him that kid's crazy there's no way that kid will ever drink bud light i know that for a fact <laughs> rory ehrlich of Pottstown, pennsylvania given his mullet the name Chetawiz, crowned the usa kids okay. mullet championship well done kiddo welcome to the world <laughs> it is a thursday night gentlemen excited. we are here in the bob media studios enjoying ourselves and what is our brown for tonight. Leon, why don't you go first? Um, mine's just a, a nice sipper. I'm going with Angel's Envy. It's not technically a bourbon because it's finished in the uh, 
the port wine barrels, but it's good. It's available. I think it's one of the coolest bottles out there. And I just like the taste of it. So when they got the wings on it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. They make it nice. in Louisville. Louisville. But you, Mr. Jones, what you rocking tonight? So I got the experiment. That's what we'll call this one tonight. This is oh. uh so I did the um six week stave and took two balls mm. together. So this is the battle of old. It's old grand versus old forester. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so currently I have in front of me the old forester, uh 86 proof, you know, uh the first bottled bourbon. Um, so really simple. And then the second is a, you know, mild stave six weeks in Mason jar. So, uh, I would say definitely the deep depth of flavor you get out of the, uh, six weeks stave really improves this and tastes awesome. Just kind of a fun little experiment, something easy to do on a cheap bourbon. You, man, I got one of those cooking in my cabinet right now. I'm staving some gallon of cheap bottom shelf grocery store stuff, but I'll be happy to talk about that. After Labor Day. What about you, Mitch? What do you reckon? I have a little Pirate's Delight. It's a cane rock. I do not have the bottle in front of me. But it looks like this with peach and mango juice. It's delicious. Yeah. See? You should have been around. When was it, Leon? Last month? Was last month Juicy July? Yeah. That would have been, yeah, would have been a juicy good Juicy July. July drink. I am rocking the tried and true back to my Johnny Green. Oh, there you go. Oh, nice. You know, and I got to tell you, Bob's out there, he just took a sip of it and it is one healthy pour. So if, <laughs> if the uh, the sounds start going awry and the no. show goes off the rails no. by the last 20 minutes, you Beast. know why. Well, I was looking Yums. up my, uh, my soundboard and the ones and twos and what I came up with was we were talking about, uh, we were talking about the the Twitter X threads competitor that Jack Dorsey's doing now with, with blue sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I talked about this, Leon, but I don't remember if Mr. Jones was there and Midge was not there. Do you guys know what the, what the post is called on blue sky? No, it is a no. portmanteau of blue sky and tweet. And so what do you put out there when using that platform? I, um, you called it last time, Leon, you remember? Uh, yeah, but that's usually when I'm four drinks in. I have superpowers on and tweet together. Make a skate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's something there, Jack. (laughs) You're looking for something novel. You want to carve out a niche, have everybody skate all over your platform. It's going to be the best. (laughs) I thought only pans already existed. Now that we talked about Brown, let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um, brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Nice talk about Brown comes to us from News Nation. And it's a simple question. Why isn't beer sold in plastic bottles like soda? Anyone want to take a jump on this before I go further? All I could say is the color. Mm, no, color? Just, I think it's something to do with the fermenting process. The fermenting process? Leon? I think it, I think it ends up getting skunky if you don't keep it in glass. Mm, I, I think it... 
I think it is akin to a screw top for a wine bottle. People just won't respect it. Okay, color, respect, and fermentation. Good guesses all around. You can get it by the glass, the can, the growler, or the keg, but for some reason you can't guzzle it from a plastic two-liter. Beer, at least in the United States, <clears throat> is rarely sold in plastic bottles. The most common mediums are glass bottles and aluminum cans, with the exception of the occasional drinkable ornament around the holidays. We're looking to you, Miller Lite. Plastic bottles, meanwhile, are rarely ever seen in the beer aisle, despite being widely embraced by the juice and soft drink industries. Why is that? Well, it turns out beer tends to lose its carbonation and become stale in plastic bottles, whereas soda does not. Hmm. According to Chuck Spipek, Director of Technical Brewing Projects at the Brewers Association, plastic is simply not a good package for beer. The molecular structure of most plastics is not good at keeping carbonation in the packaged product or keeping oxygen out to prevent staling. I believe that one is winner, winner, winner to Midge. Well done, sir. Thank you. I mean, I was close. <laughs> Features pet. <laughs> but of course, we have to ask you a question. Ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Why are you gay? <laughs> we may never. See, I find this one interesting though because, like, I have had, yeah, I have had uh, cider that was in plastic bottles in Europe. Like, they sell cider in, God, it's, it's like three liters. Like, they're not even two liters. They're like super sized. Hmm. So I don't get it necessarily, but okay. Maybe well, interesting here is that there it, we haven't gotten to the color part of it yet, but there is actually something to do with. Uh, what Leon said here is using plastic packaging can damage a brewer's brand image, both from a quality perspective and a sustainability perspective. I can't think of many folks that want more plastic introduced into the environment. So it is style as well as fermentation. Uh, of course, not everyone in the global brewing community sees eye to eye. In other parts of the world, certain beers are more commonly packaged in plastic bottles. In other parts of the world, certain beers are more commonly packaged in plastic bottles, including brands that traditionally only come in glass or aluminum. Even in the United States, many major breweries will package beer in plastic bottles for sale at sporting events, concert venues, or places where glass might not be allowed. At the moment, however, beer aisles across the country are bubbling over with glass bottles and aluminum cans, and it's likely to stay that way unless the industry suddenly takes a cue from Franzia and starts selling their beer in a box. Would you guys drink beer out of a plastic bottle? I, I, I drink have, it out of a... Go ahead, I have, Mitch. Sorry, I have, but I, I felt weird about it. <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed odd. Like it was, it was, where, it was where, where strange to have something that light in my hand. I where think it was, it was a concert or something like that, where they, where they weren't comfortable with aluminum and glass for some reason. It was something like, it was like a special event. Some kind of, but I, I mean, it stands out because you, you never get beer. I can't even think like internationally of being in a foreign country and them serving beer in a plastic, plastic bottle anywhere. I feel like I drink enough out of red plastic cups in my life that I'd be okay with a plastic bottle. Well, the, the last part here that I'll bring up is many brewers tend to believe that plastic bottles are seen as inferior packaging. So, mm -hmm. what else? Mm -hmm. Part of me well, wants to know, how long are you holding on to this beer that you're not drinking it? Yeah, exactly. 
No one should have, what is, well, <laughs> everyone's got the case of beer in their fridge that wow. somebody brought over that you don't want to drink, that you just keep there for guests. But if it's beer that you actually purchased yourself to drink, yeah, it shouldn't be in there longer than a month. Otherwise, you're a monster. That's good. What's your, what's your mm. random, what's your random guest beer, Leon? My, it's whatever you brought over that there's no fucking way I drink it. Probably an IPA of some sort. Okay, good. Because I have some Coors Light in my fridge. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> we, we, should, we should do a prisoner exchange one of these days. <laughs> I got one for you. You know what mine is? White Claw. Yeah. That's not uh, beer. It doesn't. Oh, my God. We're going to end this fucking debate. Ice. What is it? <laughs> White Claws. Uh, yeah. it's no, it's not classified. We talked about this on a previous episode. It is not it classified as a beer, beer because that's something like my fridge and I ain't drinking liquor over that's, the top. You know what, Mr. Jones, I'm with you. I mean, that's, these are semantics. I think they're, they're all in that group. I think, it, I think it makes you a social terrorist. <laughs> Serving white claw. White claw makes <laughs> you a social terrorist? <laughs> I guarantee if we open up the midges fridge right now, there's nothing but Zima and ice. <laughs> <laughs> So he can cry himself to sleep. I've got, I've got, I've got some Celsius in there, but that's probably his case. I've got some truly white claw. Anybody want a peach? He's 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 stoned too, but it's in a it's in a bag of wine that's in his fridge. <laughs> so listen, listen. Any of any of those? I don't know what you want to call them. Any of those hard seltzer drinks that are black cherry? Fuck you. Take my money. Those things are black tar heroin. Yeah. <laughs> You know, on a hot day on a boat, we—I've said it—they're delicious. Mm-hmm. They really are. I—they're uh, refreshing. But you know, I'm a Coors Light drinker, so it's not much of a leap. Well, <laughs> you—you come over and you drink my Coors Light and bring your IPA that you don't want. Mm-hmm. I like your—I like your prisoner exchange idea. <laughs> Reminds me of that old Dave Chappelle joke. Hello, we have ten black people, and we intend to. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> <laughs> all right that wraps up talk about brown let's get to our top story news team assemble let's get down let's get down to business and i got news for you tonight's top story is a little interesting tidbit to me it popped up on my linkedin feed it popped up on bloomberg and it popped up in a bunch of other places but it was actually taken as independent research by a company called flamingo and flamingo does some kind of hr function but it fascinated me because today according to the data august 24th is the nation's sickest day of the year the majority of sick leave in the United States is taken due to stomach bugs on today. Hmm. Any idea why? Is there, you guys think of any significance about August 24th? I'm shocked. I thought it would be a Friday or a Monday. It, I, I really did think it was going to be a Friday or a Monday. Well, that way it you, could be a Friday or Monday, depending on when it falls on the calendar. But you're, are you just saying on the 24th the every calendar? year? Statistically speaking, every year, the majority of sick days, according to HR, platform software, because I think that's what this company does. They did an aggregate study of HR platform software and the number one day of the year consistently that people take off is August 24th. I would, here's the day I would say it's the day after the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, something like February 2nd, February February 3rd is the sickest month 
with an average U.S. business seeing 10% of staff unwell, which is typically February 13th. It's too obvious. You can't call in sick the day after Super Bowl. It's too obvious. So I I don't think as many people call out the day after Super Bowl as as we would expect. What is going on on 24th? so, So get this. The research revealed that August 24th holds the honor of being America's sickest day of the year. However, the second day is February 13th, which suspiciously aligns with the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. Oh, Mr. Jones, go ahead. Is there a coincidence? Play play the music. Here we we go. I'm going to give you the top 10. Sickest days of the year. August 24th, February 13th. Wait, hold on. October 25th. Did February 13th also coincide with the the fact that it is uh, right before Valentine's Day? It's Valentine's Day. It's the it, easier it, day to get into the uh, restaurants. Well, if you Possibly. subscribe to the breakup before Thanksgiving, get back together on February 15th, then no, you wouldn't need this day off. <laughs> Number three is the 25th of October. I'm guessing that has something to do with when Halloween lands in the middle of the week. You typically have your parties on Saturday, right? Mm. So it's the 25th of Monday before. or a Friday? Yeah. Game seven, the World Series? Ooh. Ooh. Nice call. I like that. Right. Deep yeah. cut. Yeah. Well done. The number four is the 15th of December. Mid. I think that's just holiday parties. Gray. Gray Friday. Uh, number five is the 18th of April. That's clearly Easter, right? Mm-hmm. No, oh, that's, that's, that's taxes. Oh, taxes. Oh. Nice call. People take the day off because they have to do their taxes. That's they I like that. They're late or some shit. Yeah, for sure. All right, number six is the second of February. Mr. Jones and I did that. Mm-hmm. Groundhog second of February Day. Groundhog used to Day. Be, uh, Groundhog you Day. You took Groundhog Day off. We second went of February to used to have a correlation. We, we, yeah, we went to Punxsutawney. We saw the little rodent come out of his hole. It was great. That was I actually fun. I, I would take my kids to that. That is so much fun. How many Still town news, in Western Pennsylvania? How many news programs do you think we made it? in that day oh. mr jones when the it background was at least five yeah. it, it was so many the leprechauns running around all of you guys if you haven't ever done it i'm just telling you it oh, oh yeah the best yeah it's it's fantastic and you're just you're drinking at 5 a.m with fireworks going off it's day. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh presidents uh, 24th, let's right? see here number seven number seven is the 24th of january so that's mlk okay Makes sense. Uh, number eight is the 26th of June. That's I'm recovery go- after Diamond Bobby B's birthday. Oh, yeah, of course. Think, Diamond is that, Bobby B. Is that graduation for college or? That's, that's pretty graduation's late for college. Graduation in some areas, graduation's that's very late. That would be very late. Uh, number nine is the 12th of December. July. So I'm sensing a trend here with the 12th and the 15th of December. Something's going on there. Is Holiday that shopping? Mm. Gray Friday, you know, as it were. Maybe it's just taking the day off and enjoying the holidays. I don't know. I mean, I'd well, see number, that one to for sure. At number 10 is the 5th of September, which is pretty clearly Labor Day, which is coming up next week. Oh, that's not what I was thinking. What were you thinking? thinking my birthday? I, no, I was thinking uh, as the little ones have just gone back to school, they get to just get sick, absorb in all the Petri dishes and mm. bring it right back to the house. See, oh, wouldn't see? you think that September would have more hits then? That's because I do. I was expecting that. There's one September date in there. You're you're assuming that you're going to stay home with them rather than just clean up those two green snot trails and send them back off to school. No, I'm nope. saying that these little demon Save them up, children Put them back in. in your mouth and you're not looking. <laughs> and then you get it and, and you there's get no it. avoiding it. 
and they're healthy in like one day and you have it for like two weeks. So why the 24th of August? Beyond just a single day, we discovered that February was the sickest month. April and December close behind. During February, businesses across the country saw an average of 10% of their workforce take sick leave. Additionally, the research uncovered the most common ailments that prompt employees to call in sick over half due to stomach bugs. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, it was. With the majority leave analyzed state uh, stomach bug, diarrhea, vomiting, uh, intestinal issues surpassed coronavirus, which accounted for 25%, anxiety or stress-related conditions, which led to almost 9% of sick leaves, and musculoskeletal injuries, broken bones, which caused 6% of people to have time off work, which leaves me to wonder, why not July 5th? July 5th is not on there anywhere. I know. Where's Nothing the missing finger? July. Well. Yeah, so there's your pie chart breakdown. You've got uh, one out of four is COVID, but over half stomach issues. Because stomach issues, you don't need a fever. You don't have to do the bullshit on the on the phone when you call your boss. You're just like, <coughs> I'm not going <coughs> to make it in I'm today. so well, sick, It's just, bro, just like, I was going to come way. in, but I got, I got the mud butt. I can't make I it can't in today. The, I can't seem to make it five feet away from that toilet, and you don't want me around. I'm right. out of toilet paper. Right. Uh, they also delved into how employees typically inform their employers. Preferred method of communication was through text, WhatsApp, or Slack. That way the, boy, the boss can't hear you and know you're faking it. Uh, mm-hmm. A third of employees chose to call by phone, while 12% preferred email, and a brave 2% wouldn't tell their bosses at all. Hmm. And that would cor- correlate with the unemployment rate. Yep. And correlate with you're fired. Don't bother coming <laughs> in tomorrow. Uh, oh, here's an interesting one. According to data from Statista, significant 26% of Americans aged between 18 to 65 did not take a single sick day in 2022. More than one in seven took two to three days off and a staggering 5%, which is approximately 10 million people, took more than 20 days off due to illness. So what is your uh, your sick day policies? What do you guys have? What's your PTO policies? Uh, I have 40 hours of sick time mm-hmm. which i'm never going to take because i'm if i'm not feeling that i'll just work from home mm-hmm. but i mean at my last job they just cashed out all pto and they said go home when you want to we don't care that's what i do so there's there's, tax, my company there's some is kind of tax incentives behind it it's just don't want to you don't worry about bank time because what happens is so these wonderful people that are so dedicated that they don't take any sick time at all in a year they're just banking up time that's a liability on the books well, that's what they do. They clear the books out when it, you have two things to talking about PTO being the time off and then the sick time. They're two different things. Sick time, you just wash out. They're classified you don't get as different, right? They're classified as different. PTO would be more of your time off. And so that's what a lot of companies have done is they've gone away from sick time and gone to PTO where they just combine everything as one. Yeah, so it, it just where everything is now. They're really going yeah, that it, way. It goes that way. It just makes sense because yeah. it, it, it takes away the liability on the books of the sick time. And <laughs> I don't know. I've, I don't take sick time, so I've yeah. lost hundreds of hours. Well, here's the other thing. And if you use sick time, and I and I remember this because yeah, about 13 years ago when I was at a company that had the sick time PTO, when you take PTO and, and you're part of a group and the group relies on you and mm-hmm. you, you take PTO, everyone's like, good for you. You're entitled to that. Have a good vacation. Good. Have a good time. If you call in sick, you are a son of a bitch. You fucked me. You better be fucking 
bleeding out of your ass, you son of a bitch. And like you better be in that chair tomorrow. I swear that to, to do God. With the surprise aspect of it. I don't. Well, it, there's a mental thing that everyone just assumes you're faking it, and it doesn't matter if you're actually sick or not. And and everybody's gone to work sick, so you're always like, you always think that you've, you know. I walked, I walked to work uphill both ways, you know, in the snow, snow and all the other no stuff, and, you know, get in here with your little tummy ache and get your ass to work. That's how people, that's how people feel, but vacation you're entitled to. So I, I, they went to that policy just straight PTO at my company mm -hmm. years ago. And then when I, when I was on top of the, the company I'm in now, then I just, I just changed the policy and said, unlimited PTO, take it if you need it. You're going to go on vacation, take it if you need it. But it puts everybody kind of on, hey, you're responsible for your, your world. You're if you make people responsible and you do a really good job setting up their roles, setting up the KPIs and setting up the things that, you know, that actually show success, you, I don't even need people to work 40 hours a week. If you're knocking it out of the park, I don't care, you know, so... So while it's not a legal requirement to provide employees with paid sick leave in the U.S., national statistics show that the majority, about four in five of U.S. civilian workers, had paid sick leave available to them in 2021. Uh, moral of the story is fucking take a vacation. Nobody, Nobody's sure. going to champion you for being the guy that doesn't go anywhere. Because then when you burn out and you're the asshole that calls in sick, I'm going to back Leon up on this one. If, you, if you're sick, you come into the office with snot bubbles and the boss goes, get the fuck out of here. You're going to infect the entire office. If you call in sick, you're a lazy motherfucker. Mm -hmm. All your ass in and get sent home like a man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that reminds me of D.L. Hughes, uh, Kings of Comedy. <laughs> we mad for a different reason. You knew I was fired yesterday. Making me use all my goddamn gas. <laughs> 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 that wraps up our top story uh, let's get to the crank file i could look for something in the crank file crank file whatever this one is weird guys i gotta i gotta say a zoo in tennessee gave birth to a spotless giraffe you know that that daddy giraffe's looking at mommy giraffe like mm -hmm. <laughs> what? who you been with was there a gate left what open hyena to the you horse been with? paddock <laughs> that looks a little lionish to me apparently bitch. when you get a vasectomy nothing happens just the baby's skin color changes <laughs> what chestnut you been around what if this is this is blowing my mind. Yeah. Like, what if they? What if? What if there's a zebra and it doesn't have stripes? How? You have to find, for, find a horse family you, for it to live with. How do you explain Very this? Very confusing. A zoo in Tennessee has its welcome to rare giraffe that does not have any spots at all. The spotless giraffe was born at Bright's Zoo in Limestone, Tennessee on July 31st, and zoo experts believe she is the only solid-colored reticulated giraffe on the planet. Um, and for those of you Bobs at home that are listening, we'll post the link in the show notes. You can check this thing out. It's basically brown like a horse. There's no spots at all. On Sunday, the it zoo announced weird. the naming contest for the baby giraffe, which visitors can now see at the zoo. In an email to CBS News, the zoo's director, David Bright, said the last recorded spotless giraffe was in 1972 in Tokyo. That giraffe, named Toshiko, was born at Ueno Zoo, according to archival photos. Reticulated giraffes 
are a species of giraffe with brown and orange spots. They're native to Africa. In 2018, we're listed as endangered. The zoo is hoping to headline making giraffe will bring attention to challenges the species face in the wild. The zoo said in a press release, the international coverage of our patternless baby giraffe has created a much needed spotlight on giraffe conservation, said Tony Bright, founder of Bright Zoo. Wild populations are silently slipping into extinction with 40% of the wild giraffe population lost in just the last three decades. Looks like somebody shaved a llama. I can see that. Weird. Yeah. I can see that. It's like a deer. It looks like deer colored. Yeah. And 2020, a family of three rare white giraffes were spotted in Kenya. The all white giraffes had leucism, which causes the loss of pigmentation, creating white skin. After two of the giraffes were killed by poachers, which of course there were, the conservation group fitted the remaining giraffe with a GPS monitor to trace its movements and hopefully keep the poachers away. CBS News has reached out to Giraffe Conservation Foundation and other experts for more information on these spotless giraffes. Now, giraffes are a, a, a rather fascinating creature. They've got a tongue that's like three feet long. They've got a gigantic mm-hmm. neck, and they're basically horses. Mm-hmm. But here's another tidbit for all you bobs out there. I want you to explain to an eight-year-old that when it pops out of its mother, that fucker's got an hour to walk or it's going to get left behind. And you look at the look on their face about how fucking metal nature is. And they put your fucking shoes on or I will leave your ass on the Serengeti. <laughs> well, I, I think kids today, there's a lot they could, uh, they could learn from a, a little bit of national geographic nature. once. That's once one of day. my favorite parts about watching the planet series with Attenborough is they go, mm-hmm. wow, animals are mean. I go, that's right. You should feel privileged to be a human. Now finish your food. Well, Mitch Hedberg nailed it and said, if fish could scream, the ocean be loud as fuck. <laughs> you, you ever notice, you ever, you ever notice that uh, whenever a zoo has an opportunity they drop some virtue signal of how they're saving the species or uh, causing awareness. Thank and you, Leo. And I didn't want to be the only one. It's, it's garbage. It's garbage. Like there's a couple that I'm sure that are doing it. And, but they just, they, they ride under this tag of conservation and everything. And they just don't want to be known as the next Tiger King. But let's be honest. Yeah. So the international coverage of our patternless baby giraffe has created a much needed spotlight on underscore giraffe conservation spin the wheel more Mm -hmm. revenue for our fucking zoo in tennessee spin the wheel Mm -hmm. news people come here Mm -hmm. thank you for pointing that out man i didn't want to be the only one there yeah i'm so conflicted with zoos because i want to see them i want to see the animals but also i'm like oh i feel horrible for this thing Well, that wraps up the crank file. Let's get to the hero of the week. Of the week. (laughs) This episode's hero of the week is the city of Tampa. That's right. We like to stay with Florida because 
God damn you, Florida. We love you for so many reasons. They just keep delivering. It's awesome. This one comes from TampaLatest.com. Tampa to host annual nude cruise 2024. Mm. Quote, the big nude boat. Mm, yep. That's going to take a lot of scrubbing. Get this ready for the big nude boat so as it makes its annual fast. voyage. Departing from Tampa on February 25th aboard Carnival Cruise Line ship Carnival Pride. Prices starting at $1,200 for a double occupancy room operated by Bear Necessities. Don't miss this exciting adventure. Although the unusual cruise will be hosted on a Carnival vessel with its staff, it's not Carnival sponsored. Bear Necessities, a tour and travel company that's been working to break down the barriers of social nudity since 1991, chartered the ship to host its week-long excursion per the outlet. What is the it's, average age of somebody that goes on a cruise ship? I'm glad you asked that, Leon. Here we go. The demographic what, on nude, nude cruise? cruises is surprisingly wide, according to Cruise Critic. Adults of all ages <laughs> take part, though they're generally college-educated between 35 and 65, and appreciate outdoor recreation and activities per the cruise ship review site. 70% are also repeat customers. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, hey, check it out. Here's them. where it gets interesting. Clothing might be optional, but some rules do stand. Customers must be dressed whenever the ship is in port, on some excursions in port, and in certain areas of the vessel, including the main dining room and select specialty restaurants per cruise bear. Furthermore, photography is strictly prohibited unless explicit permission is granted by the individuals being photographed. Additionally, towels will be provided for all guests who choose to be in the nude or near nude, as stated by the outlet. Your privacy and comfort are a top priority in this cruise. Uh, it's important to note that this is not a geeky adventure. And, I, and a lot of you bobs out there are probably thinking, oh my God, a boat full of naked people. Sign me up. Wrong. Mm. We're talking about <laughs> chewed gum, fallen into swamp the trap. ass, nut fall, patches Saggy. of hair. You people don't understand. Just don't be thinking that a nude cruise is an awesome thing. Like these are people I'm, that have no business going, being naked. We shun them for a reason. This isn't going, Burning Man, folks. I'm going full Obi-Wan on this one. These are not the naked people you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys ready for this one? These are the rules of decorum. When the ship is docked, all passengers must be dressed throughout the vessel, including balconies. Oh. Until the ship leaves port and an announcement is made that the nudity is again permissible. <laughs> this is your captain speaking. Please, you can now take off all your clothes and run down the hallway naked. Uh, can you imagine that muster drill when they're like piling you up? <laughs> We're in international waters, motherfucker. Drop trial. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, picture Troy just sitting there screaming nude, sitting in the corner. <laughs> The ship provides a self-serve buffet on the Lido deck, which is a clothes-free oh, no, area. Thank you. Clothing oh. is required for all meals taken in the dining rooms. Casual attire is fine in all these venues. Bathrobes are not permitted in the dining room. Lingerie. So they have a sneeze guard on their buffets, but do they have a lower sneeze mm. guard as well? Just, yeah. just call that out. Sorry, go ahead. Lingerie, fetish wear, and excessive genital jewelry. Not appropriate. Excessive? <laughs> Define excessive. Define excessive. <laughs> Fuck it. You guys caught that. That's awesome. I was thinking, oh, so some genital jewelry is all right. So not yeah. the Prince Albert then, not the rusty bolt. Oh, no, you you can do that. One. You just can't put a disco ball on it. So I'm thinking maybe nipple piercing's cool, but Swinging the second you go downstairs, out. no metal downstairs. Oh Reset in a what towel at all times. Got it. 
Uh, fresh beach towel will be provided in your stateroom each day. Awesome. Displaying yourself nude in front of other ships in port or while port authorities are on board, clearly prohibited. Uh, no photographs, videos, or electronic images of any person may be taken without they express consent. No photo zones around the pools or in dance venues must be followed to avoid confiscation of photo devices. Dangerous or rude behavior, not tolerated. And of course, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. Fondling or inappropriate touching of personal body parts or those of someone else, overt sexual activity or any solicitation for sexual acts is strictly prohibited. Like you're not going to see fucking on a cruise like this. <laughs> All I got to say is there are pineapples everywhere. Uh, I mean, bullshit. 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 <laughs> uh, excuse me, Mitch. Will there be donuts at the buffet? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is so gross. I'm just, I'm just picturing some you guy. You got the visuals, don't you? Yeah, like you know, junk we, on sausage and eggs, and ah, uh, no. <laughs> do we have it in the bottle of brown budget to send a correspondent? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, the wish meter is broken, Leon. Thank you. I, I vote Mitch. I mean, I'll second. I'll take a bullet on this one if you guys are going to face. I mean, this is a this is a shitty well, map. The only it looks single like one. it goes from Tampa around Cuba, and it looks like it stops in Cancun. Is that am I reading this right? Is this like the Yucatan? You are definitely yeah. That's mm -hmm. definitely Cancun. All right, so we'll probably hit a Playa del Carmen. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad cruise. No, yeah, that's clothing, it's a good cruise. Clothing optional. All right, so those you bobs out there that have twelve hundred bones burning a hole in your pocket, and you want to go with. College educated, 35 to 65. Uh, cruise takes off February 25th. Bare necessities, Carnival Cruise Line. Big nude boat. All right, I'll, I'll talk to Triple B after this. See if she wants <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that'll go over like a lead balloon. <laughs> they have a bourbon bar, huh? Oh. You've been saying you need a vacation. <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll have plenty of information for her social media feed on that boat. <laughs> now you can't take pictures carnival is just a, a trash can being dragged to you <laughs> there goes a sponsor we'll <laughs> yeah. take anybody but carnival because we I have standards <laughs> like honestly carnival is the florida F cruise lines it is it absolutely is that wraps up hero of the week let's get to let's get to some adulting how old are you guys? We're not fucking kids anymore. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your pain? Everything hurts. I'm a grown ass man, dog. Why pay taxes here, fucker? We're not like you. We're grown ups, motherfucker. When 900 years old, you reach look as good you or not. Hmm? Tonight's adulting comes to us from CNN Health. Mouth breathing. Mouth breathing might be ruining your sleep. Here's how to fix it. This one's dated May 14th, but I wanted to hold on to it because I thought it was interesting because I think I am a mouth breather and you guys may be mouth breathers too. Oh, I am. I, I can the thing. I snore like wide awake sitting next to you. That makes you a mouth breather if you snore. Mm -hmm. So the article begins, living with a plugged nose is not fun, uh, but James Nestor was ready. Plus, it was for science. While, research while researching his book, Breath, the new science of a lost art. Nestor let Stanford University scientists block his nostrils with silicone and surgical tape to measure the impacts of breathing through his mouth for 10 days. We knew it wasn't going to be good. 
because there's a very firm scientific foundation showing all the deleterious effects of mouth breathing from periodontal disease to metabolic disorders. The surprise was just how quickly the experiment affected him. This is where it gets interesting. His blood pressure rose 13 points into stage one hypertension. Measurements of his heart rate showed his body was in a state of stress. His pulse went up. He stumbled around in a mental fog. He also snored for hours each night, developing obstructive sleep apnea. His blood oxygen levels dropped. We had no idea it was going to be that bad. The snoring and sleep apnea was so dramatic, and it came on so quickly that everyone was pretty floored. What Nestor learned, aside from the hazards of being a research subject, was that mouth breathing can ruin a good night's sleep. Duh. Breathing through your mouth at night puts you at higher risk of sleep disorders, including snoring, sleep apnea, and hypopnea, the partial blockage of air. Each of those in turn can lead to daytime fatigue. That doesn't mean you're doomed to wake up in a daze because you're prone to mouth breathing when you sleep. Experts have a long list of strategies designed to turn you into a nasal breather, including a low-cost breathing hack you can pick up at the corner store. But what causes mouth breathing? Stuffy nose, allergies, deviated septum, lots of medications can also cause nasal congestion. Brown can cause nasal congestion. Some of us are going to snore tonight because of our healthy pores and enjoying ourselves. That and that's, that's just a thing. Here's the science. Generally, when you lie down, the blood vessels inside your nose fill up with blood. If you can't breathe easily through your nose, you're likely to open your mouth for air. That triggers a positive feedback loop. You would think that if you open your mouth, you'd breathe better, but actually the reverse happens. Opening your jaw causes the tongue to slump backwards, obstructing your airway. Even if you don't have sleep apnea or have mild sleep apnea, opening your mouth makes it much, much worse. Heads up, guys, when you fall asleep tonight. If your nose is stuffed up and you try opening your mouth, bad idea. If anybody lived in a house in DP, you learned how to sleep with your mouth closed. <laughs> so I actually know quite a bit about this because I sold a medication that people would take when they had when they had sleep apnea and, and um, uh, narcolepsy, and there were like two or three other disorders, uh, restless leg syndrome. And the scary part about this is, if you have sleep apnea, you literally stop breathing for seven, eight, sometimes 10 seconds at a time. So it's really, it's, it's super dangerous if it's, if it is actually sleep apnea, but that, and I think that and mouth breathing are not necessarily the same thing. If you wake up with a dry mouth or lingering tiredness, things, these may be warning signs. Another indication of sleep apnea or other disturbed sleep is if you have to visit the bathroom multiple times in a night, interrupted breathing stresses the heart, triggering the release of hormones that cause you to produce urine. Uh, when Nestor blocked his nose for science, he experimented and ex he experienced an extreme version of mouth breathing. But in retrospect, he realized he'd been waking up with a dry mouth for some time, a sign he'd been ditching nasal breathing for at least part of the night. Uh, number one, avoid eating close to bedtime. That's because stomach juices can come up into your nose, sinuses, ears, and mouth, causing congestion and inflammation. Well, motherfucker, where was this article 20 years ago? Uh, also rec recommended nasal saline irrigation, flushing the nose with salt water, mild decongestant. Uh, Over-the-counter decongestant sprays can cause habituation and rebound symptoms, so just stick with salt water. Breathing problems are so widespread that they've spurred a whole industry dedicated to opening your nose. I can relate. Nasal dilators that expand air passages are a good 
but even if you get your nose to clear, nighttime mouth breathing can be a hard habit to break. That's led some to seek out products that secure their lips closed at night. So this is an interesting thing that I saw on the socials. Is this a Many nighttime experts, muzzle? What? It sounds like a muzzle. Many experts warn against mouth taping. Mm. And that's exactly what it sounds like. You take a piece of tape, like painter's tape or something, or athletic tape, and you actually tape your mouth shut. Uh, the danger of that is if your nose is shut and your mouth is shut, you're fucked. Yeah. That sounds like a terrible idea. Well, it's one of those TikTok hacks that pop up in different places. There is limited evidence of the benefits of mouth taping, and I'd be very careful. Even talk with your healthcare provider before attempting it. Das Gupta recommended seeing an ear, nose, and throat doctor or a sleep specialist. Get yourself a diagnosis. Find yourself. I think what you should do is tape, duct tape over your mouth, cut a hole, and put a kazoo in there. So you can still <laughs> breathe. But the kazoo will wake you up when you're mouth breathing. And then you go back to nose. Actually, the, really kazoo glad the, solved. the kazoo would be a better way to wake up your spouse, right? Because the yeah, last I mean, thing everybody's up. Is... Every, you get hit with a pillow. Everyone's up. You're going to learn. You're going to learn. You're going to learn. Do you, do, you have, do you have to have it in your mouth during sex also? So they, you know, oh. no. <laughs> You're kinky. You motherfucker. I'm getting, I'm getting a kazoo. <laughs> it's called a bedtime harmonica. Oh, I hate your face. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a way to liven things up. <laughs> hey, blues travelers, breathe out of your fucking nose. <laughs> yeah, get some sweat of the fat man, get the kazoo going, get some techno on the headboard. I'm in. I like it. Sounds good. That wraps up adulting. Do we have a do we have a loath tonight, or shall we save it for our politics episode? We should save it for our politics episode. We'll save it for the politics episode. That means we're getting on to happy times. Tonight's Happy Times comes to us from National Public Radio. Real news, people. I'm happy to announce that all of the co-hosts of the Bottle of Brown podcast have one of these. For all you bobs out there with a dog, pay attention. Petting other people's dogs, even briefly, can boost your health. Unless it's a pit bull. And only if it's a pit bull owned by an angry person. There you go. Because pit bulls are wonderful dogs. They really are. Don't lose another sponsor, guys. What's four-legged furry and often serves up a quick little mood boost? That's right. A Your dog. mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> back up. Back up. You set me up. You set me up. four-legged furry and often serves up a quick little mood boost? Besides your mom. Your mom. Your mom. Besides your mom. Zing! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> a dog. Yeah, it occurs to yes, we when you will not restore your name. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, a dog is what we were looking for. Thank you for playing. Keep the wheels on, guys. We're almost there. <laughs> the end is near. Clearly, we're getting to the bottom of the bottle.
I started <laughs> pondering the power of dogs during one of my daily strolls around my neighborhood. Almost invariably, I'll run into at least one person walking a dog. If I get the okay to pet the pooch, it's a joyous moment of cooing and sloppy kisses. I always walk away from these canine exchanges feeling just a bit more relaxed and happy. And that got me wondering, <clears throat> could these short interactions with other people's dogs actually be good for me? Absolutely, says Nancy McGee, professor of psychiatry and director of the Center for Human-Animal Interaction at Virginia Commonwealth University. I think it's safe to say that animals are beneficial to our mental and physical health. Nancy Gee, professor, says evidence is accumulating that levels of the stress hormone cortisol drop in people after just 5 to 20 minutes spent interacting with dogs, even if it's not their pet. Also, we see increases in oxytocin, that feel-good kind of bonding hormone. And it's not just humans that benefit. What I love about this research is that it's a two-way street. We see the same thing in dogs. So the dog's oxy oxytocin also increases when they interact with a human. <clears throat> now, therapy dogs used in research are screened for things like friendliness, good behavior, and responsiveness to their handler's cues. And of course, not everyone's a dog person, whether because of temperament or allergies or other. Pets are not a panacea, he says. They're not necessarily going to be great for every person, but for people who really get it, who really connect with animals, they really can make a big difference. Dog ownership has also been linked to positive health outcomes, including better heart health, increased physical activity. Some of the evidence is mixed. Uh, part of it is to differences in methodology and the fact that the studies of pet ownership can't prove cause and effect since you can't just randomly assign one person a dog as a pet and another a horse. However, research on the health benefits of human interactions with animals, especially dogs, has exploded in recent years thanks to funding from the National Institutes of Health and the Waltham Pet Care Science Institute. Though the field is still young, Nancy Gee says the quality of the evidence is improving all the time, including more randomized controlled trials looking at short interactions and resuming really nice effects. You guys all got dogs. What do you think? I mean, it's an absolute. I mean, you have the you have the kids in children's hospital and they've been, they've been bringing dogs in there for a long time. And I think that, look, I, uh, I hate to toot my own horn, but I have a history of working in pet stores and I, I know quite a bit toot toot. And yes, Leon Mart of all the animals and I love them all. Dogs are clearly head and shoulders above the others. Now I get cats are convenient. They go in a litter box but they honestly, they're 50-50 on whether they give a shit about you. Dogs, <laughs> dogs are awesome. And they're entertaining. And a lot of times they're stupid, which we appreciate because you're like, I just need, I need something that's like, uh, just going to love me and have really good positive energy. I don't know many people that have dogs that don't come home to the waggiest tail you've ever seen. Right. That is just like the immediately, I'm so excited to be home. You're excited I'm home. This is home. And people that don't have animals, don't have dogs, they, they don't have, they can't experience that. I, I don't know that you get that same response from a bearded dragon when you walk in the house. So I'm not going to put that in the same category, but I definitely feel like dogs have, have a very different relationship with man. Than I don't think I've ever other heard my spouse as a bearded dragon, but I feel you, Leon. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> animals yeah. and dogs, in particular, according to this guy Megan. Oh, this 
Megan Muller, Associate Professor of the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts University, says animals and dogs in particular live in the moment. They're experiencing their environment with wonder and awe all the time. And they're not bringing up what happened to them earlier in the day or what they're thinking about in the future. They're there right now. Muller, whose research focuses on the psychology of human-animal relationships, says watching dogs sniff the grass or explore the world around them cues us to pay more attention to. They sort of pull you out of your phone and into whatever environment that they're in. Uh, she says there's some evidence that the act of actually touching a dog might be an important part of their calming effect. For instance, one study done in Canada found that college students reported less stress and reduced feelings of homesickness after brief interactions with dogs, and that effect was much bigger in those who actually got to pet the animals. She's currently running a study that's finding similar results. Some of the initial research was shown that physical touch might impact our nervous system in a way that's beneficial. But it's not just how we cue into dogs that makes the relationship special. Guy of Virginia Commonwealth University says over thousands of years of domestication, dogs have developed a wondrous ability to read humans. They really can connect with another human being, and they do it in a very unassuming way. And they do it without the ability to use words, which I, I can attest to. I can attest to. We were actually talking about that. My cousin brought in his dog today in the office because he's he's uh, dog sitting, and and she's an old one. And it's just a better day with a dog in the office, even though she's old and she just lays there. Uh, just her running in and and greeting me when she got there was just awesome. And uh, man, they're just dogs are are just the best. They really are. The problem is that people who didn't grow up with dogs, people that didn't grow up with animals, uh, and then they get one, there are occasionally, there's bad dogs. Yeah, they're there fucking are. up. I've had one. I had a Dalmatian that just shredded everything, like everything. Was we, can, we only, uh, no, this one wasn't deaf. Our ferret was deaf, but the Dalmatian wasn't. But the Dalmatian just needed more, more room to run. It shredded every piece of wood that we had the house, shredded the couch, shredded everything. Didn't matter how much attention you gave it. It just needed a lot of farmland and it didn't, it wasn't a good fit. So if you're out there and you got a dog and it wasn't a good fit, I recommend you try a different dog because there's so many breeds with so many temperaments out there. They're tiny dogs that do nothing but shiver and piddle everywhere you go, but you can fit them in your purse. There's giant dogs that are that think they're bears and teddy bears and they don't bark very much at all, but you know, they love you, but you know, picking up their their poop feel, you know, you need a, a snow shovel to put it away. They all got their advantage and disadvantages. So you just gotta find the right breed for you and your lifestyle. I've always been jealous of the people that can take their dogs out to public places and they don't bark at everything. I've never had that dog. Do you guys have that level dog? of training? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of have that dog. That's awesome. Yeah. We, I have taken him out to a bar for like two and a half hours and he will just sit on the table. This is like outside on the patio. He'll just sit on the table. And the only time you hear from him is if somebody else brings another dog in and then he just like does a low growl. But other than that, if there were no dogs around, he would literally be on the table. You wouldn't even know he was there unless you saw him. Doesn't make a sound. Now, be honest. Did you bring him in the bar to pick up chicks? Always. Yes. And <laughs> but it's, it's better that he's in the bar with me. 
Yeah. And back at home. So it works out for everyone. But yes. That's awesome. Mr. Jones, you're super silent on this category. No, I, I don't have a dog right now. It's kind of um hasn't been in the works. I haven't had a dog since I was living with my parents. And they still have their their animals. My sister has a plethora of animals on her farm. Good time no, for a puppy one. with a little baby. They grew up together. Yeah, see, that was it. It's like I think me personally, is like you got down to co- tiny humans. Well, th- that's not the problem. Was the time that it was going to take and, and what the breed was going to be. And I think you 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 figure like, oh, well, I want to get a dog. Well, uh, I want this breed. And I think sometimes we lose that. Just going down to your local pound can be the best solution of one of the best temperament of a dog. It's million percent. You you just don't know you can get some winners and you get some losers just how it works. But I tell you, I'm telling you when it comes to the breeded, you know, purebred dog, I'm going to say from experience, it's a real loser. Like you don't mm-hmm. do as well. You just don't like you will get them either. They're hyper problems, breeding, just different things. A dog from the pound, believe it or not, because it's been crossbred. It's just weird the way the temperament is in those dogs and they are phenomenal. They can be Every- so good. Every dog I've had is a mutt, and I've, every single one I've loved, other than they the Dalmatian, just, the only purebred yeah, dog I had. A purebred, yeah, and I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on it. I'm just saying it. So I guess th- what I'm getting at is that yes, we were actually really active to looking for a dog. Probably pretty much about to put a deposit on a dog uh, early COVID because there was nothing to do when you were stuck at home, mm-hmm. and we got pregnant. So it was like I cannot manage. I'm busy enough with work and then let me have a little time in human and let me get a dog in the mix, this whole thing. And so right. um, in the near term, something don't know what uh, maybe I take my own advice and go down to the pound and maybe find something that's a rescue or uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, just have to figure out what, what that is, but it's not my decision in some cases. It's my wife and my mother-in-law. So that's, uh, uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it is. It is a joint decision. It's not my decision and I'm not going to want it to be. It is a member of the family and Mm -hmm. it is a major investment in money, but mostly time. And it changes the dynamic of your family. But I do think it's positive. And if anybody out there has ever had to put down their dog, Mm -hmm. it is the worst experience of your entire life. And it will rip your heart out. Nothing compares to it. I mean, maybe, no, nothing compares to it. I know when people lose children and siblings and, and all that, that's, that's a different conversation. A different I'm level. not, I'm not roping level. that in. I'm talking about everyday life. When you, when you got to put down a pet, ooh, man, I was, I was in bad shape for a week. That was rough. Mm-hmm. So but it doesn't mean I didn't uh, enjoy every second with that dude. He was an awesome dog. So go get a dog. I think is the moral of this story. Well, the, the moral of the story is, is go moral get a dog. Song. But if you don't have the ability to go get a dog, go get somebody else's dog. Because just yeah. a little interaction with any dog at all, provided you're not uh, deathly scared of them or have some kind of allergic reactions. The idea of petting a dog or being close to a dog they are some unique animals. And I want to tie into something Leon said earlier. I, I enjoy cats, but I don't trust anything that treats me as an equal. So mm-hmm. you keep an eye on them. Those are strange animals. But I don't like women. <laughs> <laughs>
just dating lefty for the rest of your life. Well, you know what? That statement prompts a question. Mm. Why are you gay? <laughs> for God's sake, if you have an iguana and that thing starts swinging its tail at you as fast as it can, run. It's not fucking around. What does it have to do with Leon being gay? You all know. Dot conversation. You've, you've, been, Dot conversation. you've been to my house and the farm that it was. We had so many freaking animals at our house. I got attacked by a rabbit. It's I have two fangs. rabbits. Got <laughs> and did you attack it with a holy hand grenade? Oh, Jesus Christ! Grenade. Two is not enough. Three is the number that shall count to. And the number that shall count to is, is your quest. What Four would is be too many. Five would be right out. <laughs> three is the number that shall count to. Oh you know what God. I am seeing? The movie's overdue. What I, what I am seeing, Leon, is I'm seeing the Black Knight coming back. Oh, I see a really? ton of stuff with the Black Knight coming back. It's just a scratch. It's just a flesh wound. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the origin story as a Black Knight. I'll bite your legs off. Come back here. None shall pass. <laughs> None shall pass. You don't need a good spanking. Yes, yes. Good yeah, spanking so again, for everyone. I can't share that movie with my children yet, which is probably something for a future episode. Is movies that uh, we can share with our kids. Yeah, share even, because we even cannot the inappropriate get to parts, they're, the, not, they're not going to get. Danny, <laughs> they're not gonna when get you do, can I be there? Well, I'm kind of saving it for you, Leon, because half of the enjoyment of Monty Python is with you in a fucking room. Yeah. <laughs> they don't get... They, you, if you're not getting the humor... I will point it out. He'll <laughs> hit pause. Ridiculous <laughs> laughter. Stop. Okay. Describe what's happening. Describe why it's funny. That's hilarious for everyone. I will make my children watch a movie and I will thoroughly enjoy it as I remember it. And they'll go, I don't get it. They'll start to get it later. They'll start to bring up things. Like, oh yeah, dad, that was funny. I get it. I was like, you know what? We're going to watch a movie. What is it? It's called Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. Well, what if we don't think it's funny? Trust me, son. You'll know when the funny parts come because your <laughs> uncle will satisfy that for you. In fact, he might be a more interesting movie. Just Many watch people him. like to watch the movie with me. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny because nobody knows what an elderberry is and he smells like him, so... <laughs> that's the funny part <laughs> oh no I, I so I, right. I have adopted those jokes and my kids get it so maybe they'll look at me like oh that's where that's from dad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why I am French why do you think I have such a ridiculous accent I told him we had to get one now leave before I taunt you for a second sure, time one second time alright so uh, get a dog get a dog or pet a dog Pet, pet we'll a dog that's yours or pet a dog that somebody else is with permission. But this but is a public is service key. announcement. Ask first. That's right. Yes. Pet a dog with permission. Either your permission to yourself or permission from the dog's owner. But that is the key mm-hmm. to a happy life. That is our show. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Give us a call, 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, the Midge, Mr. Jones. We read all the emails. We listen to all the voicemails. We want to hear from you. Give us ideas for content or refute anything we say on the show. Every positive review opens up the opportunity for others to discover the podcast. 
And if you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, and share with a friend. We're on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a quiet drink with us next episode. Same brown time, same brown channel. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>